privilege of interviewing people who make their living in the world of entertainment. Huge thank you to Phil Ranta, CEO of Comedy Podcast Network. Also, a big thank you to Diana Lawrence for the original music and Tom Burns for the logo. Today's episode, I've got author, actor, improviser, teacher, and all-around good guy, Jeff Griggs. Wanted to, uh, right before I get to the interview, which is, I got a great interview with Jeff Griggs uh, coming up in just a second. Just want to say real quick, uh, one thing that I haven't really done is been very clear on uh, where these episodes have been uh, recorded and uh, things like that. Uh, so just in case, uh, just curiosity, the very first episode was actually recorded in May in the training center of the Second City Theater in Chicago. And just real quick after that, I got uh, hired on by Second City to work on the Pride of America, which is a cruise ship going around Hawaii. So uh, my first episode was recorded back in late May, maybe early June, but it didn't actually air until just a few weeks ago in August. So uh, every episode since then has been recorded on the Pride of America with uh, entertainers who are working on there in some aspect or another. And that's why uh, if you get, maybe this sounds like it was recorded, uh, this wasn't recorded recently, or if I make reference to how something like that. Uh, but now we're starting to get on track, and uh, with this episode and there, all the ones coming out, they were only recorded a, a few weeks before they actually come out, which is pretty cool. And thank you for all the people who have been emailing me at livingthedreampodcast.com at gmail.com and without further ado here is my interview with Jeff Griggs awesome this is living the dream and I have with me today Jeff Griggs the infamous Jeff Griggs he is an actor infamous I think so uh, in that you are famous famous but it doesn't it isn't like Billy the Kid infamous or yeah but in a joking way you're infamous. like oh no here comes Jeff Griggs the nicest guy oh like a sarcastic way. All right, I'll take it. Fair enough. Uh, you are a actor. You're a improviser. You teach improv. You are a novelist. Um, not a novelist. Not a novelist. Uh, well, I have, but I haven't been published as a novelist. But uh, I am an author. What are you? I'm, what's the difference between novelist and author? What I have had published uh, was uh, nonfiction. Oh, I get it. Okay, so you were. Writer, author, yeah, you have a book that right. people can buy on Amazon. Oh, sure, please do. Yeah, well, yeah, I, uh, and the title is "Guru: My Life and Times with Del Close." Uh, Guru: My Days with Del Close. My Days with Del Close, which uh, I was the first book I read after I moved to Chicago. Oh yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't want to start off as a slightly starstruck, but it, when <laughs> I first, Jeff and I, uh, for those listeners, we're currently working together with Pride America and. I've always kind of wanted to work with you because I never, I almost got to have you as a teacher at I.O. Oh, yeah. When I first moved up and uh, your class filled up. Mm. And so I took someone else and... Uh, Who did you take? Uh, Bill, um, I can't think of his last name. Arnett? Yeah, Bill oh, Terrible teacher. He's awful. He's the worst. Um, <laughs> he was great. And I don't by any means regret taking his. I was just kind of wanting, because I've read your book and yeah. this and that and the others. And now I get to perform with you, which is kind of... Awesome. That's cool. So, how uh, 
how long have you been without like a standard day job type life? It's been a while. I moved to Chicago 15 years ago, and then uh, for for several years I worked as a tour guide mm-hmm. uh, with the Chicago Trolley Company, and then I worked as a tour guide uh, and a captain on the Chicago Duck Tours. <laughs> Have you ever seen those duck boats that drive on land and they're like gigantic tanks that then go into water? Yeah. They have them in Boston and they have them in the Wisconsin Dells. I used to be a captain and a tour guide <laughs> on one of those. Did you have to go through the ranks of private or seaman or whatever uh, to captain? I did. I had to go through... <laughs> Uh, I had to go through extensive training. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was essentially uh, we were in a uh, Holiday Inn in Elk Grove for six days where we were in class for 10 hours a day and wow. taking tests and learning how to tie knots and things like that. And I did it all so I could do tours um, on a tour boat uh, that the business w- – went out of business after two years. I then went to another duck company because there was a second one in Chicago. (laughs) And uh, I did that for... uh, I think I did that one for two years. And uh, that one went under. And then I started working at Improv Olympic. And that, I feel like, was nine years ago. When you say working at Improv Olympic, do you mean as a teacher? I, yes, I was teaching. Uh, I was teaching while I was doing the uh, duck boats and the trolley company for a while, and I was doing that and coaching uh, at Improv Olympic, now IO. And I did that for quite a while, and then uh, when I stopped working at the duck company, Sharna hired me on to help do uh, the bookkeeping Oh, uh, and I would come in and do the books there, and then also I was in charge of doing the schedule at I.O. for five or six years. Okay. And I, and I did that for a while, and I got paid for that. And I had a, a loose title. I, I remember at one point Jason Chin and I were both trying to figure out titles, and <laughs> we would present them to Sharna, and Sharna would say, uh, sure, sure, yes, this is your title. But then <laughs> anytime anyone would say, yes, I was talking to the associate artistic director or associate artistic coordinator, she would go, who? And they'd go, uh, Jeff Griggs. They'd go, ah, he's my bookkeeper. <laughs> so it was hard to hold a title because to this day, she still only knows me as uh, the bookkeeper and the guy who uh, tried to steal Del Close's legacy. But that's a different story. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that, that's been about nine years. Wow. And were you, I mean, I assume at the time you were also maybe picking up acting work and paid gigs stuff like that yeah a little bit a little bit and uh after doing that because i did that for a while i started working for a company uh called van campen investments and i did that for five years where all i did was uh go and do corporate gigs for them it was just for this one company and i would travel around the country doing um uh corporate sketches and doing a little bit of training. Wow. Uh, and that kept me kept me employed for a few years, but it really... It, I mean, that's acting work. It is. Absolutely. And uh, I, I did that for a while. Are you... Were you, like, the only... Was you part of, like, a sketch team, or...? 
it, How did that work? It was myself. Actually, uh, your first interview was Tim Mason, right? Yeah. Uh, Tim, I helped get a job on the Duck Company. He was uh, <laughs> he was a tour guide on there. Yes. And then I did this thing with Van Campen Investments for a year, and it was myself and three other performers, but mm-hmm. those performers worked at Van Campen as... Uh, I don't, I'm not even sure what their title One was a president uh, of, of a division. Another was a director of a division. So they were the higher-ups uh, who would come and do these sketches with us that I would help coordinate and write and produce. And they would do them, and we would travel and do them all over, all over the place, usually in places such fantastic places like Topeka, Kansas, or... Wichita, Kansas. The hotbed of improv. Yeah. Right? Uh, so we did uh, We did that, and then I got... We needed another actor, and I got uh, Tim Mason a job to do it. And he did it for quite a while until he got hired for the uh, Chicago Second City Touring Company. Wow. And then I, when Tim did that, I brought along Brett Lyons, and Brett Lyons did it with me for three years. And uh, and so you've been working for Second City now for what about three years? Three and a half years. Uh, we I've had a relationship with Second City for five or six years because they bought the rights to uh, Guru. They bought the uh, film rights to Guru, and oh. so they when they purchased that, they then hired me on to do some writing for them, and I've. I did some writing for Guru, and the film project, and some other things for that. And then after a couple of years of doing that, I started bugging them about wanting to do some other stuff. And then got hired on to do the cruise ships. Wow. So you first got on like because of your book, and then... You didn't get as an actor until a couple of years later. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. And I remember my book was purchased, and then uh, I went to the general auditions that Second City has every year. And I remember going into the auditions, and and um, a few of the people there being thrown. And after it was over, the, the, they said, "Could we?" Could we have you come in? We would like to talk to you. And I said, sure, sure. And I was really excited. I like thought, at the auditions, they wanted you to come in like right afterwards? Yeah. Wow. And I thought, this is great. <laughs> I, I have worked because at that point I had been in Chicago seven, eight, nine years, auditioned every year. A few years got a call back, but had never been hired for anything. And then um, after this, I thought, this is it. This is finally it. The, the book has been written and... That's gone well. Uh, they bought it, and that's gone well. I'm finally getting hired for Second City. And I went in the meeting, and they said, we don't think of you uh, in this vein. We don't think of you as someone who would tour. Um, so uh, don't feel like you have to come to the auditions anymore. Wow. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was brutal because oh I, I, I thought it was a complete rejection, and they just said... We don't feel like you have to audition. We know what you can do, so we don't think of you as someone who has to audition. We will look at other things for you to do, so we can we can find some place for you. 
Wow. And they thought that I was too old at that time to tour. Uh-huh. So they, they, they put me on a ship. Well, that's... To me, that seems like the equivalent of you going, you're in a bar, and before you've even hit on a girl, she just comes up to you and goes, hey, by the way, I'm not interested. Uh, so don't even bother hitting on me. Yeah, and the, the discussion, boy, I'm saying a lot of things that probably... I have zero listeners to my knowledge. Okay, so good. this will get nowhere. Good. Uh, I, and I hope it stays that way, Rich. Uh, there, uh, you know, there are things that I'm saying that I, that I, I feel like people probably... Are like I wish you hadn't said that, uh, but they they said that they didn't think of me as someone who uh, they would want to audition anymore. But they were very positive. The meeting was a complete rejection, but it was also very positive because they said the skill set is there. You you're a, you're a very good improviser and you're a very good actor, and we want to work with you in the future, but we don't see you. As someone who um, would tour because mm-hmm. we think you're too old, and um, we th- we know what you can do, so don't feel like you have to audition anymore. I mean, that's good. It's a. It almost seems like if they're saying you're too old to tour, that that's either illegal hiring practices because they're saying we don't want someone who's too old to tour, or they're saying, well, for your sake, you're just too old. We don't want you to have to do And it's like... They didn't want me to break a hip. Well, yeah. I, I could get up on stage and... Those tour gigs can go late. Sure, sure. bedtime and a glass exactly, of warm milk to drink. Exactly, exactly. They were thinking of me. And who knows? I could do a scene, do a spit take, and my false teeth come flying out. <laughs> they were protecting me all along. It's really, it's really nice of them if you yeah. think about it. Uh, and then you started working on ships and... Uh, so you, I know you've worked several ships uh, as the current one with your fiance. Uh, yeah. Have you? Did you? Was your first ship with her? Yes, it was. Uh, and this, uh, you know, there was another. There was another part in there. Uh, she and I both worked uh, at Improvacadia in um, Bot- or Bar Harbor, Maine. Mm-hmm. So we both did that. And uh, actually, after that meeting was over. Um, that we just talked about. A few months later, they they asked if I would be interested in doing a ship, performing with them. And uh, it was very soon after my fiance Jeannie had moved to Chicago, and I said, I don't, I don't feel comfortable leaving the city right now. Uh, but I, I would definitely do it if you thought that. She could do it, and they thought that she <laughs> they thought she was too young, uh, so I'm too old, and she's too young. So they said, uh, maybe down the road, after we um, see her and uh, get more familiar with her work, we would consider it. So we waited another two years for them to get comfortable uh, with Jeannie and to get acclimated with her. And then once they uh, saw her uh, perform a few times and um, watched her performance and watched her grow as an improviser, uh, they really wanted her. And they they asked both of us to go, but they also said, uh, if you don't want to go together on the ship, you could go individually. So <laughs> Why would you want to do that? Well, we wouldn't. Uh, I think it was their way of saying... Jeannie, we think that you are really good, oh, okay. and we're not only uh, inviting you 
to do this because of Jeff. Gotcha. They wanted, well, that was nice of them. Right. They wanted both of us to know that uh, we were being judged on our own merits and wanted both of us to do it. And three and a half years, so did you, with your first contract, did you kind of uh, like feel it out and go, you know what, this is something I'd like to do for a good long while, or how did that work? We told, I, I was more, I, I, I feel like I was willing to do it for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. We got rid of our apartments and put all of our stuff into storage, and I I talked to Jeannie and said, you know, this is something that I think we should at least give ourselves a year to do. Let's let's do this first ship, and this first ship we will commit to an eight-month contract, and then hope we get invited to do uh, a second ship. So our first ship we did out of New York. Uh, it was uh, the dawn, and we went from New York to Bermuda mm-hmm. for part of the contract. Then we went up into uh, Canada, and then from there we went from Miami down uh, into the Caribbean and, and visited and toured around four or five of the Caribbean islands and back to Miami every week. So we did that for eight months, took off uh, uh, a month and a half, and we were supposed to go on a ship to to Europe, and it was canceled. And instead, they had us come to Hawaii. And we did Hawaii for eight months. Nice. And we just sort of decided that we would do, do it for another year. <laughs> and we did it for another year. And then we decided there are two more trips that we would like to do. And we did one this past year where... We went to Alaska, and then uh, after Alaska, we went from Los Angeles to Miami through the Panama Canal, Canal, and we did that trip six times, and we we visited something on that trip, like 32 different places. It seemed... each week we went at least one place new, but a lot of times we went to two or three different places, so it just seemed like a... A huge trip that we had to do and experience so we could see as many places as possible. And then we wanted to come back to Hawaii one last time because we we have a lot of friends here and we really like being in Hawaii. So we figured we'd come one more time. So that puts us at three and a half years and we're getting off in three weeks and that is what we're saying is our last trip. <laughs> well, sure. We'll see. I feel like I've never asked a single Second City person, is this your last boat? And they go, well, yeah, unless. Yeah. Unless we can't find work mm-hmm. kind of thing. I will say this has been the first time we've said this is our last our last ship. Yeah. Every ship we've said we're going to do at least one or two more. And we have thought that we were going to do one or two more every single one. This one we... We decided we were going to make it our last one, and we have an apartment set up in Chicago, so we're ready to go back and do it, but it's it's a good-paying gig. Yeah. So once... Uh, What's once life going to be like when you don't have a room steward to come change your sheets every day? I will not be able to do it. Uh, <laughs> You've lost the ability. I'm hoping that uh, I can convince someone like Brett Lyons to come and pick up my apartment from every day. <laughs> Hopefully, maybe I can get John Hartman to come and pick up food after I leave. Right. All people who we've done ships with who know what 
Jeannie and I expect. Absolutely. So it would be great if we could get that service from them as we continue on. Um, as far as uh, plans for the future, I mean, pretty much everyone that I've interviewed so far, which hadn't been that many, but has always said, well, I kind of fly by the seat of my pants, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, do you have any plans that, like, like things that you want to do, like things, angles that you're going toward? It's true. What you just said, everybody says, it's pretty much what I feel as well. I have no idea what comes next. And uh, I really, I feel like for the past nine, ten years, I, I have no idea. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what we're doing. I know we're going to be in Chicago. I know that I'll go back to the city and, and start teaching again and hopefully start directing and... And uh, I know I'll go back and start doing some shows. I'll definitely go back to my team, Deep Schwa, in Chicago at I.O. And uh, Jeannie and Brett Lyons and I have a three-person team called Aphasia. And we have toured for six, seven years. And I've been setting up festivals for us to perform at. So we'll do that. Uh, as far as getting money, I have no clue. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, hopefully, uh, I'll get hired as a director or performer somewhere, but we'll just take it as we go. Sure. It's the good thing about improv, and what we do is I, I don't get terribly rattled by not knowing exactly what's going to happen. I get concerned, but I figure we'll, we'll be able to manage and we'll get it taken care of. And we've saved money to get us through for a while and uh that's what that's sort of what you do as yeah. an actor you you take care of yourself and you just keep plugging along and hopefully uh you've prepared yourself well enough that more things just keep popping up and you can keep taking care of yourself until uh you have to be put out of your misery because <laughs> we none of us have Retirement funds. No, no. Does that ever bother you? Do you ever think about that? All the time. Yeah. Everyone I graduated, not everyone, almost everyone I graduated college with has some kind of job where they have something called a 401k. I don't know what that is or anything about it, but it sounds wonderful where you put yeah. money in and when you get older that it comes back. Actors, we don't have that. No, no. And it's something that uh, I, I think about from time to time. And then I just don't think about it because it's just easier. It's, it's easier, it easier to not think about it. It's that uh, sort of thing that Eugene Levy uh, talks about in um, Waiting for Guffman when the show is canceled and he's bowling. And uh, they talk to him about how the show's been canceled. And he says, yeah, I just I don't think about it. I, I, I just I don't think about it. And I think that's... As long as I don't think about it, it's the it's it's healthier that way. And it's absolutely not healthy. We're all going to be decrepit and screwed and living on the streets of Terre Haute. I don't know why Terre Haute, but it seems like a nice place for people to winter. It's a good place to retire. Right? And we'll uh, hopefully improvise for money on the streets of Terre Haute and figure out a way to take care of ourselves. I like it. That sounds like a plan. I look forward to it. Uh, we'll all be there. Yeah. Uh, as far as, uh, I want to delve in your book a little bit, uh, without giving away, I mean, basically your book is... You don't want to give away the ending? Well, yeah. He dies. Oh, man. You just ruined it for, I hope I don't. for, for both of my listeners. Yeah, I hope I don't ruin it for everybody, but yeah, uh, he dies at the end. But, like, basically, the, the, 
the premise of the book or what happened in real life is that you, as an intern of I.O., stop me if I'm guessing wrong, was instead of, like, seating people at the theater or instead of taking tickets, as most interns do, she, for some reason, said, I think you should be the guy to help Del Close, um, co-founder of the theater, big, you know, guru of the theater, for like everything, to just kind of help him with life. Yeah. And, uh, like, one, why... Do you, do you know why she picked you? Yeah, I do. Do you want me to answer that before you go to two? Yeah, sure. Uh, there was uh, an incident in the theater uh, where uh, it was back. Well, I, they might still do. No, interns used to run the box office. Now they pay people to run the box office, yeah. which is smarter. <laughs> uh, the, but they had the interns doing it, and we were trying to manage the box office and answer phones at the same time and it was it was chaos it was a saturday night and everything was going crazy and she kept calling uh and by she i mean sharna halper the the founder or owner of the theater kept calling the box office uh she also had the phone set up so that if it rang at the theater, it also rang at her house, so she would pick up and take reservations at her house, and then we we wouldn't know that there were reservations. It was really, it was really complicated, and she would call us to tell us she'd taken her reservations, and we couldn't answer the phone because there were people at the the door who had reservations who we were trying to figure it all it was just chaos and <laughs> she drove over to the theater and really let us have it there were two of us working one uh was some girl uh i forget her name jason chin would know her name but she uh was this girl who was about five foot four who posed for playboy uh calendar not in the magazine but was in uh, a calendar for playboy long time ago awful improviser really not she's the stereotypical playboy model that you would have go through your head did see yes so sharna just laid into her and i and uh the girl didn't blink uh Probably because she'd had surgery and wasn't able to blink, but she didn't get upset. And I just nodded and uh, said, okay, all right, no problem. So she went upstairs, watched a show, came back downstairs and said, did you answer the phone? Do I have any messages? I said, I answered every single phone call you had. There was a phone call from... A guy, Dick and Dick Andy, Dick Andy. And she went, Andy Dick? And I said, I don't know. That doesn't sound right. And she went, do you have a phone number? And I said, I do not. <laughs> and she laid into us. And then the little Playboy model girl started laughing. And then I started laughing. And she realized that I was totally making fun of her and antagonizing her and she uh, swore at me and said a few <laughs> things and told me I I was going to get fired and then left and then we left 
And she heard us laughing when uh, she went upstairs. And then I thought, I wonder if I am going to get fired. And the next day, she called me. And I thought I was getting fired. And she said, I was really angry at you. That wasn't funny. You made me look stupid because I thought Andy Dick had called. And... Uh, I realized later that you might have the temperament to handle Dell because he can be uh, pretty demonstrative and you might just make fun of him and you won't be scared because he scared the last two people who tried to help him. Oh, so you were the first. Oh. Apparently there was one or two other people who, who helped him and they got him the wrong jello. And it was all based around the wrong jello. When I When we first started meeting he he said a couple times i hope you get the right jello this time and i realized he really likes jello right. what you like i don't he used to put his pot in it so he was very uh, sure he was very specific about what what jello tasted best with his marijuana so <laughs> and someone kept screwing it up and i, I guess I, I i held the job until he died so i guess i, I did pretty well with selecting the jello well, well played. Yeah. Uh, so, it, did you when you when she asked you to do that? Were you excited about it? Like, was this something you were going, oh, okay, I, this is good? Yeah, I was. I, I had not met Dell at that time. I wasn't even really sure who he was. I had seen him. I knew who he was. I just i i ha- i hadn't seen him, so I wouldn't recognize him if I saw him. Uh, he's the reason why I came there because you hear all these mythical, incredible stories about Dell. And I had been taking classes at Second City, and uh, my instructor was Michael Gelman. And he said, if you're really serious about your craft and you, this is something you want to do, you need to go take classes with Dell. So I went to IO to take classes with Dell. And so this man who I had sort of chased through for learning I was finally meeting and I was meeting him two levels early because I was in level three at that time and wouldn't have him for another two levels so I was getting to meet him and had heard all of these crazy stories so I was really excited about it and very intimidated and uh, and uh, also really worried because one of the first things Sharna said when she called was he needs for you to drive him around. Do you have a car? And I said, yeah, I have a car. But I, I absolutely did not have a car. <laughs> I, I, and I had no idea how I was going to figure out how to drive him to all these places that he needed to go. And I had to pick him up. At first, I think it was on it was either Wednesdays or Thursdays. I had to pick him up in the afternoon on Wednesday or Thursday. And I had to figure out how to get a car to drive him. But it's sort of like what you were asking about. What are you going to do next? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I know that things are going to work out, and, I, and I'm going to work hard to get them to work out. The same as I didn't have a car, but I I, I said yes, I, I I did, and I could I could do it because I thought, sure, uh, I can do this. I absolutely can do it. And it, he did not figure out that I didn't have a car until. It was a long time. It was a really long time. I, I think it was sometime after uh, he had gone to the hospital or he had gone to the hospital and had come back and my car had been, I'd gotten into a car accident and I didn't have 
uh, this old truck anymore. And he said, why don't we use one of those one of those other cars that you used to uh, drive me around in. And I, and that's when I told him, those are cars I borrowed. <laughs> one car I even rented one afternoon. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I was very excited and very intimidated and, for a multitude of reasons. Sure. As far as the, uh, the book's concerned, I know that I've heard rumor, and, and you've, Tell me a little bit about how it's like tried to get made into a movie several times, mm-hmm. and this it's been years now. Yeah, is 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 we have any idea if that's ever going to happen, or is it? Can you talk about it? I can talk about it. I don't. <laughs> it, it's one of those things where I don't. Uh, it goes through these stages where it looks so close. We have gone through several directors, and it, it's all been uh, Second City has owned the rights. They, they own the, ro- the rights before the book was published, and they have done a very good job of finding directors, and uh, we have scripts that we've worked on, and we've had some fantastic directors uh, who we have worked with for a while. I, Harold Ramis was the first director who was si- signed on, and uh, I worked with Harold putting together a second version of the script for... A year where I and um, Diane Alexander would go and meet Harold at his uh, his production studios up in the northern suburbs, and we did that for uh, a year where we twice a month would go up and meet him and talk to him, and finally they felt like we were close to getting it started, and then he did year one. Yeah. Oh. Terrible choice. He decided to do that instead of Guru, and um, we then went to uh, another director, oh, who I cannot remember right now. Um, I'm, I'm embarrassed because he, he was a really great guy and good director. Maybe I'll remember before it's over. We also had Betty Thomas, uh, who was on Hill Street Blues and directed... Private Parts, and uh, a very, very popular movie that was number one in the box office. You may know it. Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakle. <laughs> uh, Betty Thomas, though, is a huge, huge improv celebrity and a uh, huge director. She also did the Brady Bunch movie, so she has a huge directing career, and she was part of it. And now we have two guys... Um, yeah, I'm not. I don't think I can actually talk about those these two guys who have taken it over. But I feel like it's closer now than it has ever been, and I would be surprised. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. I would say I would be surprised if it didn't move into production next year. But I always <laughs> feel like it's about to move in production, so I wouldn't be surprised if. Five years from now, we did uh, another interview, and I gave you a whole list of more directors <laughs> who've been fired from this, and who um, who we have another great director who's about to put it into production. It's gonna be, it's like the Cubs. This is their year. It's true. Although this is not the Cubs year. No, no. Last year was not the Cubs year. A couple of years ago, that was the Cubs year. Could have been. Could've yeah. Been. Next year will not be the Cubs year. I think in two years it will be the Cubs year. Uh, so you heard it here first. Two years from now, bet on the Cubs. 
Uh, one one question I like to ask on my uh, guests is that if, for whatever reason, improv uh, acting was taken out of the world, mm-hmm. if I removed it for whatever reason, what would be a career that you think you could be happy or at least not miserable in? Well, I, for several years before I moved to Chicago, I worked in radio, mm-hmm. so... That would be something that I would probably, probably do. Uh, it still has a performance aspect to it. Sure. But it, it is something that I did for a while that I enjoyed. Boy, I, 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 still today, I would kill to be involved in some sort of sports-influenced arena, you know? Yeah. Um, if... Uh, if I could work for the Bears or the Cubs or the Bulls, but more so the Bears or the Cubs or even the Illini, I I, I would be pleased as pleased could be. Oh, man, my, my best listener actually works for the Blackhawks. Oh, I should have said Blackhawks. What am I thinking? He's, he's my number one fan. Oh, no. I probably have hurt his feelings. <laughs> uh... Thank you for being part of this. Thank you for uh, asking me. Uh, my pleasure and honor. Um, pick up Jeff's book, Guru. I guess you can find it on Amazon, pretty yep. much anywhere. You can find a book that's for sale. You probably find your book, right? You can you can find it on, at Amazon. A lot of bookstores have it, but a lot of bookstores are closing down. Yeah. So. Uh, it is not on um, my publisher. I ask them all the time to put it on Kindle or Never. iBooks. Yeah. And it is a uh, sort of staid publishing company where they think that's new technology and it's not going to stick around, so they don't they don't really want to do it. Yeah, the internet's on its way out. Yeah, so which is bad for this podcast. Yeah, if you if you go to Amazon.com and there's a little little thing that says if you would like this as an ebook, click this and we'll send a letter to the publisher. So click that. So maybe my publisher would put it on. An ebook, but you could get it off of Amazon. Uh, you could also get the book at Second City. They have quite a few of the books there that they sell. And if you go and watch a show, you'll see it um, in their little hallway where they sell all their books and and other sort of uh, sundries. <laughs> you cannot buy it at Improv Olympic. Oh. <laughs> the place where it was written. That it is all. Uh, genesis of it is it is not there makes a lot of sense yeah go buy the book thank you jeff thank you this is living the dream big thank you to phil ranta on the comedy podcast network diana lawrence for the original music tom burns for the artwork tell your friends go to living the dream podcast at gmail.com send me some kind of email i'd love to hear from people i've already gotten a few and i appreciate that 